Wait, sh- who's starting who starts it? it? <laughs> Hello. Hello. I thought you were going to do it with me. That's why I waited. Oh, no, that'd be funny. How's it going, everybody? My name is Kenna. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. I'm Koal. This is the recap episode, so we're already being a little silly. <laughs> it's different. It's different. It's a different vibe. It's a different feeling. It definitely is. It kind of feels like a mixture between like a regular Thursday case and a DAK live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Because we're going to be, like, much more cash. Like, mm-hmm. not everything that we're going to talk about is necessarily scripted. So but true. we also have written some notes as yes. well for the episode. Yeah. It feels like a field trip day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain to everyone what we're doing today? Sure. We are going to be recapping any updates that have developed since the last time we covered our cases. So, all the way back from... T- 2021. Yes. And if any of these cases have an update, we will bring them to you. If we don't talk about certain people, it's because there's no updates because let's face it, H.H. Holmes. I mean. Yeah. And some of them are deceased. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So I actually went down H.H. Holmes' ancestry line Mm -hmm. and I found a lot of really interesting stuff. Hmm. But I was like, I'm not going to mention the family members. They probably just want to live in peace. They probably just want to live their damn lives. <laughs> it was like their his great-great-granddaughters. It was wow. nuts. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, so we're definitely just going to be going through some of our maybe, like, most memorable moments from the show. We're going to be talking about, like she said, any recap. Like she said, like Will said, any <laughs> like she recaps. Said. And then, yeah, just kind of hang out and start off the year with a recap case. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to I go first? I do have to go first, because I have the first case. That's so true. And my first... Well, I did Kristen Gilbert, mm-hmm. which was, what, episode three? Two. Two. Mm-hmm. And then I went ahead and researched it again, and then we re-recorded Dana. So there's some people that have been with us since the beginning, and yeah. Dana and Kenna originally started the show. And then Dana, life just hit her. She met Alex, yes. right? Who she's now engaged to. <gasps> She had a lot going on in her life. And yeah. She's like, girl, I'm sorry, but like, I don't, <laughs> ain't nobody got time for this. Yeah, and I, was, and I like, was like, I don't blame you, girl. You're totally yeah. fine. And so I came on and then we did Kristen Gilbert. And then, uh, so Scott Peterson would have been my first case that I picked and researched, which yeah. was episode four. That's crazy. Yeah. But you're going to start with who? Andre Thomas, of course, our number, number one, one episode, most listened to episode. Thank you guys. That episode almost has a thousand listens. Oh, really? So thank you guys for doing that, which makes sense since it's our first episode. Mm-hmm. Whenever I listen to a new podcast, I always start with the first episode because I'm yeah. like, if I do like the, the information and the content and the people, I want to like grow with them. You know, right. I want to know how they did in the beginning to how they are now. I will say, I think that our style has kind of changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've definitely chilled out and not, <laughs> I'm not talking so fast anymore, Yeah, but our sound quality has always been top tip top tip top yeah pristine it's the closet it's totally the closet we're still in the same closet i don't know what we're gonna do when we like have an actual studio yeah it's so weird it is gonna be weird but hopefully we can keep the same sound quality that you guys have praised us so much about yes i totally agree i definitely feel like at the beginning i was really nervous i feel like maybe we did cuss a lot (laughs) <laughs> and so, because we were so nervous. So nervous. And so, after a while, the pacing has changed. The writing's kind of changed. I love that we do a content warning at the beginning of yeah. every episode instead okay. of, you know, every time something happens. Because let's face it, this is a true crime podcast. You're going to hear it every five seconds. So, yeah. I remember... I, I love one, that switch. Sorry. One episode, I had said it, like... <laughs> eight times i was like okay and then i know i said content warning already but like content warning for this next part and okay like, and this content warning for this next part and, and this then, press really bad so. you know and then one of my friends was like dude that like you can't be doing that you can't say content warning every two seconds i love a blanket statement it's yeah nice. exactly and it definitely interrupts the story when you have mm-hmm. to stop it every couple minutes and hey for we sure. learned about that you know that's something that we learned and we didn't really think about you know beforehand yeah. And took some some of that criticism and turned it into a, a positive thing for sure yeah especially like you know, we still cuss, but we definitely don't cuss as much because we don't need it. We're more confident now. We don't, we don't yeah. need it as filler. <laughs> for sure. So believe it or not, after two and some change years, you and I have never discussed how you came up with the name Diagnosing a Killer. <laughs> really? After two and what? Two it's... and four months. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. No. I just assumed, because I mean, I hear it and I'm thinking Diagnosing a Killer, right? Yeah, I mean, it sounds... I feel like it's all in the title. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when I first came up with the concept of hosting a podcast, right, Mm -hmm. was 
I was, it was after COVID, I had listened to, I had binge listened to this one podcast that I was obsessed with, true crime. I would take walks around the neighborhood, I would listen to it. And then once I started working again, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was still listening to them. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I think I've said it before. If, you've, if you guys have been with us since the beginning, you know that I've, I've probably said it before. People I overheard on podcasts saying, oh, well, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but he was still a piece of shit. You know, like they yeah. say things like that. And I'm like, well, no, you're glossing over like the reason mm-hmm. or like the, poten- the potential yeah. thing that caused the crime. Right? right. And so I was like, I want to do a true crime podcast. And I don't know if the listeners know, but mom and I actually started our own podcast before Diagnosing a Killer, and it was a podcast about beer. Mm-hmm. And we we did it for a little bit, and then it just didn't work out. But I was excited about doing, hosting a podcast. In it was it was a cute concept. I remember y'all talking about wanting to go to different breweries and yeah. do interviews with breweries locally. And, and yeah, that, that sounds fun. We'd taste some beers on you know on the podcast and talk about that. It just yeah. didn't it didn't end up working out. Either way, um, I was like, I still wanted to host a podcast, so I was thinking about what's going to set set us apart. For from all the other people that are doing true crime, right? Yeah. So many true crime podcasts out there. What is what's going to make us different? And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, duh, hello, psychology, because I was pursue. I was actually in my undergrad at that time, so I was like, oh my gosh, and I was getting close to graduating, mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay, okay, psychology, murder, mystery, murder. I was just go- going back and forth, and I didn't really. I wrote down like a couple different things. I was actually working as a server at the time, and I had my server book, and I was waiting for my tables to show up, and I was making, I was writing down different like <laughs> names, and I was like scratching them out, you know, like That's the so Charlie cute. Day like board. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. I just wrote it down, and I didn't really think about it, and I put it in my pocket, and I kept walking around. Well, at the end of the shift, I saw it again, and I was like, that just makes sense, like diagnosing a killer. But it's funny because it makes so much sense to us and our mm-hmm. listeners. But we noticed a lot when we went to the con in August. A lot of people came up to our booth, and they were like. So what do you guys talk about? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess it's not that apparent to some people, yeah. you know, what diagnosing means or whatever. I think what really got their attention was the DSM-5. Yeah. That they saw the DSM-5 sitting there and they go, oh, psychology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even so, some people don't know much about psychology, mm-hmm. right? They just want to listen to true crime and that's totally fine. It's yeah. not everyone's thing. But they don't know what the DSM is, right? And so I'm right. glad that we had that to, t- to show them, like, this is what it is. Which is another reason why when you see us in Denver, we're going to have a synopsis of what our podcast talks about. Mm-hmm. If not our trailer just typed out. Yeah. So that when we're not sitting at the booth, people can still read and understand what, we, what we're here to do. For sure. But yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's well, not like a grand story, but yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. it. Just came to my head. Love it. Well, I think it's catchy, and I feel like people are like, definitely think... Oh, what's that? Pesky DNA. That pesky DNA. <laughs> so you get it? I said pesky DAK. <laughs> that pesky DAK. <laughs> Although I will say, I've been asked a couple times when I wear my shirt that says DAK on the front if I'm a fan of Dak Prescott. And oh. I am, but that's not what it's for. I'm like, no. We came first. Didn't Maybe we? we should put no. <laughs> We came first. We did. Not. We did. Um, we started recording in 2021. He didn't start playing with who? The Cowboys. The Cowboys. How long has he played? He's for been the with them for years. Oh, really? Like I would argue, like 2018. Let me look. Whatever. This is the first time I'm hearing about him, so I'm looking it up. <laughs> We're more famous than what's his name? Dak Shepard. Dak. D A K. Dak. Yeah, um, he Dax he Shepherd. joined the NBA or the NFL, excuse me, in 2016, which oh, is when okay. he started playing for Dallas. Which is when, like, yeah. Before before this was ever a concept. Yeah. Hey, Dak, if you're listening, love you. Anyway, so yeah, that's pretty much um, all I needed to talk about before we get started. Yeah. What about you? I think that's it. Oh, I'm just going to give you our handles real quick. Oh, Catch yeah. us anywhere on social media at Diagnosing a Killer, except for X, which used to be Twitter. It is at Killer Diagnosis. Email us. We have a Patreon, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, if you feel so inclined. Probably all at Diagnosing a Killer, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you guys want to do, like, a one-time donation, just uh, shoot over a dollar or two, you know? Yeah, totally. Pay for a cup of coffee. Oh, that'd be nice. That would be so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely, before we get started, this obviously goes without saying, but just to let everyone know, this is a recap episode, and we will be talking about our episodes we've already covered. If you haven't listened to any of our episodes before, you might get some spoilers on here, because we are going to kind of summarize the episode just in case. But we definitely encourage you to listen to, like, the deep dive of these episodes that we're talking about. Yes. Especially if you haven't already, because they're really good. If I do say so myself. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Am I starting? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, also, blanket content warning, of course, because we are going to be recapping. We're going to be touching about touching on sensitive subjects. Uh, once again, this is a true crime podcast. It is rated E for explicit. If <laughs> for you everyone. haven't seen it. <laughs> 
Maybe it's for explicit, y'all, not for everyone. Um, so, yeah, just a, a blanket content warning on this yeah, one. for sure. Okay, so the first person we are going to be talking about, like I said, is Andre Thomas. He is the first person that I ever researched. I actually did all of my notes for this handwritten. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I was still in school, we and I like so, to handwrite my notes at school. <laughs> we were so analog. I was never a computer notes taker in school, because I would get too distracted, so I always had to handwrite my notes. Mm-hmm. So I actually handwrote, like, this whole episode. Yeah. Then I recorded it not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, because the first time I recorded, the audio was all fucked up with Dana. Second time, <laughs> we were fixing that audio. Mm-hmm. Third time... Actually, maybe three times. This is when we re-recorded to make it yeah. look like we started it was the us. <laughs> together. <laughs> and a bunch of people that have listened and kind of maybe hurt, maybe heard us talk about Dana or saw a review that said something mm-hmm. about Dana, that probably just made a lot of sense. <laughs> They're like, yeah. wait a second. Wait a minute. There was a whole other person yeah, that was supposed to be here. Now. <laughs> <clears throat> so for those of you that do not know, Andre Thomas is severely schizophrenic on the schizophrenic spectrum disorder. He's from Texas. He did get sentenced to death row for the murder of his ex-wife, the child that they shared, and her child as well. His execution was scheduled for April 5th of 2023, but about a month before he was supposed to be executed, his execution was actually stayed. Hmm. So this is an update, right? Update. Dun, 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 <laughs> That's our update music? It's the Unsolved Mysteries update music. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So the reasoning behind the stay of execution was that Andre's lawyers were still trying to make their case about his mental status. Hmm. The Supreme Court now prohibits the execution of people with low intellectual abilities and has ruled that death row inmates be determined competent before they're executed. Before they're executed? So, yeah. So they essentially, know that they're dying? Yes. So essentially, what? well, not know that they're dying, but like be cognizant. Yeah, I guess like aware of like their... What's so, happening. Yeah, exactly. So technically, I think what this means is that if someone, like, became unstable after they were arrested and, like, got a diagnosis while on death row, yeah. they might not be able to be executed I think because I've, they won't be competent at the time of their execution. I feel like I've heard that in another case where someone was so elderly, they didn't realize they were, like, they had such severe dementia that yeah. they essentially never executed this person. Yeah. Oh my interesting? That's wild. Andre's attorney stated about the stay of execution, quote, We are confident that when we present the evidence of Mr. Thomas's incompetence, the court will agree that executing him would violate the Constitution. Guiding this blind, psychotic man to the gurney for execution offends our sense of humanity and serves no legitimate purpose, end quote. Hmm. And if you haven't listened to the episode, Andre Thomas is blind because he pulled both of his eyeballs out in while in prison, two yeah. separate occasions, mm-hmm. which tells you how severely mentally ill he is prior to the ruling of his stay more than 100 100 religious figures had asked governor greg abbott to stop the execution as well whoa jay curry ashmore with the da's office argued that the faith leaders and others who were calling for the execution to be off are not fully informed of the case and have not read any evaluations about andre's mental state he stated quote none of these people know anything about the case they are just parroting what the defense has told them end quote yeah, it's like uh, Lisa Montgomery when we covered that case that her horrid abuse her entire life was never taken into account. Oh, yeah. And she's, sure. yeah, on still on death row. Or, I'm sorry, no, she was executed last year. Dang. Oh, two, 20, 2022. So, not last year anymore. Not last year anymore, yeah. Ashmore also added that he personally reviewed records that indicated that Andre knows about his execution date, or, I'm sorry, knew about it. And that he was aware that he is in prison for killing his ex-wife and their children. Mm. Attorneys had until July 5th to file their motion, July 5th of 2023, asking that Andre's competency be reviewed before his execution. And that's the last I could find. It seems like Andre's legal team is still being allowed to come up with an argument to withdraw the execution. Interesting. And how old is he, do you think, at this point? Oh, he's in his 40s. He's not even that old. He's not even that old? Let me look. Yeah, so he's literally 40. 40. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost 40. Yeah, it's really sad. What a wild case. So, we're going to start off strong. I mentioned it earlier, Scott Peterson. Yeah. Right? Scott Peterson has now come forward with what he says is new evidence that will exonerate him from his life sentences after being convicted of killing his wife, Lacey, and unborn child, Connor. I was golfing. In 2002. (laughs) Yeah, he was, like, blonde. Yeah. Golfing. 
Scott has previously claimed that he deserves a retrial on the grounds of juror misconduct, that one of the jurors during the jury selection lied to the court about being in a domestic violence relationship, according to petition documents. Hmm. So essentially they had said, oh yeah, I've participated or I've been in a domestic violence situation before, likely was picked for the jury selection because of that. And yeah. So the judge in this case had ultimately ruled against the request for a retrial in December of 2022. Janie Peterson, who is Scott's sister-in-law, has been one of Scott's biggest supporters and advocates since his conviction. Mm. Janie runs a Scott Peterson Appeal website and other various social media accounts, documenting the family's struggles navigating through the slow-moving judicial system. Most recently, in July of 2023, Scott has been approved to retain counsel in anticipation for yet another shot at a retrial. So they've already said, yes, you can retain counsel. We're not saying we're going to go through with it. But you can retain counsel, which is terrifying. Yikes. The attorney general will have to respond to the basis of the petition, which includes, one, an appeal of the juror misconduct claim, two, a new evidence claim detailing a confession that Lacey encountered the men burglarizing the Medina home across the street, threatened to call the police, and then was abducted and murdered by them. So that's what what they're saying. That about, like, a week or whatever prior to her going missing or being murdered that she had witnessed this burglarization of the home across the street, and then she was the rat, so they they took revenge out on her. Uh, okay. Three, a claim that a district the district attorney presented false evidence when they told the jury that the Medina burglary did not occur on the same day that Lacey went missing, or on the day, I guess. I thought it was a week before, maybe not. Four, a claim that the Modesto Police Department is suppressing evidence about the Medina burglary that was provided by the lieutenant. Uh, a l- lieutenant uh, Aponte at the time at California Department of Corrections. Five, a claim that fetal development science has changed that shows changes that show Scott and Lacey's unborn son, Connor, he'd actually lived past December 24th, 2002. So they're saying that he was alive after Lacey's death, exonerating Scott for fetal, like for killing him. Yeah. For killing the son. Yeah. This is this is ridiculous. You know how long the baby can survive outside the mom after the mom's dead? Or right. Inside or whatever? Five minutes. Five minutes, probably. So you're going to take that on five minutes? Well, I don't know. I, I can't remember how old Connor was. I feel like he was at 30 weeks, maybe? twenty yeah. Or 28? Six, a, cu- a cumulative error claim. So these are all the things that a... Uh, yeah, that the attorney general would have to respond to mm. with this, position, this petition. Hopefully that's not happening. So far, the response for a request for a retrial had been postponed to December 1st. However, I found no article stating anything about this ruling um, since then. Janie Peterson passed her bar exam on February, in February 2023 and is able to practice law in the state of California, which is, like, great. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. And continues to raise awareness for wrongful convictions. Scott still resides at Mule Creek State Prison, and it has been 21 years this past December 24th since losing Lacey and Connor. Oh, wow. 21 years. That's crazy. What's crazy is, like, I remember it being on television. Yeah. Like, while it was happening. It's awful. And that blonde hair was bad, Scott. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> it was, like, already grown out. <laughs> that was the worst costume ever. <laughs> so that's Scott Peterson. Sorry uh, I'm fumbling a little bit. I know that, you it's know, okay. it's just not as scripted as we usually go yeah, off Yeah, of. exactly. And then... It's kind of like a live feel. Like we said, it's like field trip day. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to get some water. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to pause. So my next one is Monica Melissa Patterson. Yay. The peach. (laughs) So for those that haven't listened to the episode, Monica Melissa Patterson is serving prison without the, serving life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of 96 year old Marty Nell. It is seemingly that she killed him for his money because she had made him sign all of all his assets to her before. Mm-hmm. And well, she was, like, caregiving. She him. was. Mm-hmm. She still claims her innocence to this day. Mm-hmm. She attacked all of the evidence that the prosecution brought against her during her trial and still continues to claim that she didn't have anything to do with Marty's death. Melissa claims that Marty actually died of a heart attack and not suffocation like it was ruled. Melissa has asked for numerous appeals with the Innocence Project even taking her on as a client. What? 
Yes. The Innocence Project did? Yes. Whoa. However, the Innocence Project has not made a statement on whether or not they think she's guilty or innocent. Oh, they I They just see. said that they're willing to take her on as a potential client. They'll review the case. You yes. know who else still claims their innocence is Grant Amato. Yeah. He still claims that somebody else, some random intrud- intruder he, came in. Didn't he confess to his brother? He, I think he said that he had gotten into a fight or Jason knew. Yeah. God, I feel so bad for Jason. But yeah, he he's like in prison saying that he he still didn't do it. Just because there's like $100,000 in this thing doesn't mean that he did it. Jesus. Yeah. That's stupid. So, Melissa, uh, the motion for an appeal was filed in September of 2023, but it seems like it's still in the waiting period. Hmm. Judge Gonzalez stated about the appeal that a hearing is not needed in his opinion, and his recommendation has been sent to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. So he's like, no, no. this doesn't need to be happening. Right. Yeah. So that's all I have on her. Interesting. So Randy Kraft, a.k.a. the Scorecard Killer, was a killer who operated in the area of Southern California from 1971 to 1983. During his time, it is believed that he had at least 60 victims between the ages of 13 and 35. He was caught red-handed while traveling in a vehicle containing the body of, of his last victim and was sentenced to death. God, about oh, that. that was so horrible. So crazy. Ugh. Randy Kraft is still awaiting execution in San Quentin State Prison. He is 78 years old. According to the Red Bluff Daily News, in March of 2023, California Governor Gavin Newsom approved a $20 million plan to change San Quentin into a, quote, restorative justice center, end quote, and even changing the name to the San Quentin Rehabilitation Center. As such, construction has begun, and inmates are being relocated to other prisons until the new plans are complete. Inmates such as Randy Craft. So, at this point, essentially, Randy Craft is, like, somewhere else. Not in San Quentin. Oh, great. But, like, we don't know where. Where? (laughs) But where? (sighs) Newsom also put a stay on all death penalties in the state, and it is unclear when the death penalty will be placed back in action, if at all. So he's been there since, like, 1983. That's wild. Imagine that. But, like, death penalty is just, like, bye-bye right now. He's like, oh, great. So he's missing an action, and there's no death penalty. Great. Great. Love that. In November 2023, the LA Times reported that nearly after nearly 50 years, a John Doe presumed to be a victim of Randy's has now been identified. Mm -mm. Right? This is just in November. Like, two months ago. Michael Ray Schlitt was 17 years old in 1974 when he was found dead along a road in Laguna Beach. Michael was an Iowa native, and his sister said that at the time she last saw him, he left for California in April of 1974. Within months, the teen would be dead. Investigators had not known at the time that they had a serial killer on the loose who would purposely poison his victims with a Valium-like prescription medication in order to render them helpless. So when Michael's body was found, toxicology reports led investigators to believe that his death was caused by an accidental overdose. It wasn't until police began connecting Kraft's MO to multiple deaths that Michael, or John Doe at the time, was considered a victim of Kraft's. Michael went 49 years buried in an unmarked grave until finally police were able to track down his family, giving them the closure that they finally deserved. Oh my god, imagine that. I know, 49 years. That's crazy. I think his I think his um, sister was the only one that was still alive. I think that his parents had passed. Oh yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's crazy, god, right? That's awful. Your turn. Oh, thanks. Okay, <laughs> my next one is uh, Clara Suarez-Harris. Mm-hmm. Clara, Clara. She... Went to prison in a while ago. I didn't put the date for <laughs> um, killing her ex husband and running him over by running him over with her seventeen year old stepdaughter in the car. Oh, that's right. So she found him cheating at a hotel. She mm-hmm. tracked him into the parking lot. This guy was trying to get the mistress to her car, and Clara jetted the car towards him and backed over him three different times and killed him. There's a video of it, right? It's yeah. like in the nineties so or two thousands. Well, unbeknownst to her. I'm pretty sure the husband had PIs on her because they were trying to catch her on something. I'm sorry. She, I, I'm lying. She had PIs on her husband because she was trying to catch him cheating. cheating well, the yeah. PIs were the ones that caught the video. So it's but. her own PIs that caught her <laughs> killing him. It's not funny. But. Dummy. Anyway, so Clara was released in 2018 following a prison sentence. Following her release, Clara was on parole for a number of years, but as of February of 2023, she is no longer on parole and she is just completely free. Really? Yep. No longer on parole. Completely served out her sentence and her parole. How, well, so, so I guess chilling. her sentence was like at least fifteen years, right? She's just chilling. I don't know. 
I don't remember when she well, was. Well, she was pregnant. released in, yeah, in 2018, then she probably was, it was yeah, probably at least. Five years. Yeah. That's, but yeah. That's. Nuts. That's all I have on her. Hope <sighs> she's doing well, I guess. I guess. You know who I really wanted to update, or I, I wish there was kind of more of an update, was Carla Homolka, which was a Patreon episode, the Ken and Barbie Killers, and uh, Paul Bernardo, who was also the Scarsboro rapist. And she's married and has kids and lives in Ontario, I think, or something. Mm. And uh, she may or may not have changed her name, but there wasn't, I mean, I guess she's just quiet. Yeah. You know? Better than doing the the alternative. The alternative. So my next case that I have an update on is going to be Todd Kolhep. Oh, God. He's so ugly. He's disgusting. Todd Kolhep got away with a mass shooting, killing four employees of a motorcycle shop in 2003. He would then go on to shoot and kill Johnny and Megan Coxie, burying the couple on his own property. He, too, would be caught red-handed when he shot another man, Charles Carver, burying him on his property as well, and ultimately keeping his partner, Kayla Brown, captive in a shipping container on his property. Okay, I remember this now. Ugh. It's awful. Kayla would be found alive after being held for over a month. Kolheb had also been convicted of the previous murders, um, and he had actually been previously convicted of rape when he was just 15 years old and was, as such, a convicted sex offender. On his release conditions, uh, it stated that he could not own firearms as a felon. However, throughout the years, Kolheb was actually supplied guns by a man by the name of Dustin Lawson. Lawson knew that Kolheb was a convicted felon and could not legally own firearms, but this did not stop Lawson from regularly buying guns from the sports store Academy and then selling them to Kolheb. Hmm. Yeah, stand-up dude, right? By the time Kayla Brown was found on Kolheb's property, Todd Kolheb had collected an arsenal of weapons. And after Kolheb was found guilty on murder charges, Dustin Lawson was also brought to justice for supplying Kolheb with firearms and sentenced to eight years and three months in prison, his release date being November of this year, 2024. Academy, uh, Academy, (laughs) Academy ultimately settled a civil lawsuit with the Coxie and Carver estates, splitting $2.5 million in a settlement. Kayla Brown would also eventually receive $6.3 million in damages from Colehep's estate after his belongings and property went to auction. Wow. So, yeah. Good for her. So there was another perpetrator in all that. That's that was wild. Dustin Lawson for supplying all that, all those weapons. I don't know if Academy should be held liable, though. I mean, like, they didn't know. <clears throat> I kind of agree with that, but I think it was maybe the amount that they that he was selling, like, like they were the selling to him. what he was buying. Yeah. yeah. There was no red flag for being like, okay, this guy is continuously in here buying stuff. Like, That's true. Yeah. My next one is Alexander Lewis Ranwell. Ranwell. Alexander was sent to prison at the age of 28 for killing three elderly men in the year of 2019. Well, that was when he was sent to prison. So in June of 2023, the judge who oversaw Alexander's original trial, Mrs. Justice May, made a hospital order for Alexander. Justice May stated that Alexander should be cared for in a hospital with a, quote, restriction order and would not be, quote, allowed into the, into the community until the agencies were absolutely content that it was safe for him to be released, end hmm. quote. So okay. instead of prison, institution. Yeah. Lawyers told appeal judges that Alexander has been ordered to be detained at Broadmoor Hospital in Crawthorne. Under the, I'm sorry, Crawthorne, Berkshire, under the terms of mental health legislation. The leader of the legal counsel team, Andrew Warnock, took appeal judges, excuse me, told appeal judges that Alexander had brought proceedings, quote, at common law, end quote, and that the organizations that pushed back on the suggestion that Alexander be sent to a hospital need to compensate him. So that's really cool. Yeah, he was a, uh, wasn't he the one that was kind of like, very similar to Andre, where he went, he bounced from place to place, kind mm-hmm. of, right? Yes, or he was to get help. on the schizophrenic spectrum as well. Yeah. The lawyer also stated that the compensations should come for the, quote, consequences of the killing, end quote, on the grounds that they had been, quote, negligent in their treatment of him, end mm-hmm. quote. Mm-hmm. Mr. Warnock also told appeal judges that the litigation raised an issue of, quote, wider public importance, end quote, adding, quote, it raises an important question of whether those who have killed others but are not guilty by reason of insanity may sue mental health authorities for the consequences of the killings by reason of deficiencies in the care they received, end quote. Well, so the families can sue. Well, I think that... I'm thinking, like, the families and the the, the perpetrator. Yeah, the perpetrator, because it's like, you didn't give me the help that I needed when I asked for it, 
Yeah. And this is what happened as a result. And not to say that, like, you can go and ask for it and then be like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want, you know? But in cases like this, it's very clear that, like, this guy needed help and asked for it and it wasn't properly. And now his life and the lives of others are ruined. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all I have for him. Hmm. But he's going into a hospital setting instead of prison, which is cool. That's good. So, according to Variety, there's a new installment of The Jinx. Really? There's going to be a part two, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. So this is hitting Max sometime this year in 2024. Hmm. Robert Durst's first wife, Kathy McCormick, mysteriously went missing in 1982, and her disappearance has never been solved, nor has her body ever been found. Durst would seemingly get away with murder when he was only convicted of tampering with evidence when he admitted to dismembering his neighbor, Morris Black, in 2004, which is nuts. He went through, like, the whole trial, and they're like, just tampering with evidence. Yeah. He's the lady. (laughs) He's the lady. But after the HBO docuseries The Jinx aired in 2015, the wheels were set in motion to further investigate and ultimately convict Durst of the murder of his friend and mob princess, Susan Berman, who was found dead in her L.A. home in 2000. By the time of our episode in January 2022, Robert Durst had passed away after a lengthy struggle of contracting after contracting COVID-19. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was like, I hope he got COVID in his butthole. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what's funny is that that episode aired on Cameron's birthday, but he died on my birthday. Ooh. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that is weird. <sighs> like, he had died 19 days before. Nuts. So, in that same month, which would have been January 2022... A judge approved Kathy's family's petition for a wrongful death suit against the Durst estate, which was assumed to be given or gifted to Robert's second wife, Deborah Sheraton. Mm-hmm. Because of this, all, if any, of Durst's $100 million estate may not be used until either a settlement or a proceeding can be completed. So she can't touch that money Dang. until they come to an agreement. Needless to say, the story of Robert Durst and his victims is far from over, and the Jinx Part 2 drop uh, date has yet to be announced, but we are expecting the sixth episode season sometime this year. Dang, that's wild. It's wild, right? Like, there's so much more yeah. to learn. And unfold. To unravel. My next one is super quick. It's George Emil Banks. He was the spree killer who ended the lives of 13 people, including his own children and random bystanders, the people across the street. Mm. In September of 2022, it marked 40 years since his crimes. He wow. will actually be 82 this year. That's all the update I have, but I just wanted to pepper that. Wow. Yeah. David Berkowitz, also known as the Son of Sam, terrorized the streets of New York City in the late 1970s. According to Berkowitz, he was guided to commit his crimes by voices, sometimes ruminating from the neighbor's dog. Some theories suggest that he was not alone in committing the six murders and about a dozen attempted murders. Berkowitz has yet another parole hearing this year, May of 2024. However, he has never attended a hearing nor asked for release, as he believes that he deserves to remain in prison. Berkowitz continues to lend support and fellowship to his fellow inmates, preaching the word of Jesus Christ in an effort to save others, and he is 70 years old. Dang, 70. 70. But, I mean, just, you think of the son of Sam, that case, David Berkowitz, Mm -hmm. from the 70s. Yeah. And it sounds like it was so long ago, but yet he's still up for parole this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And do you know when in May that's going to happen? Uh, I, I think there might be a specific date online. I want to say, I wanted to say it was like the 12th, May 12th, 2024. Okay. Cause I'm thinking Why? if I'm going to be in town or not. Cause that's like the same time as my cruise. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? like on my phone on oh. the cruise trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, again, he's never been to a hearing. He doesn't, mm. he doesn't attend them and he doesn't request for release. So he it's might just not even go. He's probably not even going to go. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, it's volu- voluntarily. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go, you go. That's it's just true. when your date is, you yeah. know? Hmm. My next one is Dennis Rader, a.k.a. BTK. A.k.a. Like, yeah. A.k.a. <laughs> a- Sparky Big Time. <laughs> a.k.a. The Panty Raider. Oh, no. I, th- I don't think Sparky Big Time was it. Was Sparky Big Time? Yeah, yeah that was, was Sparky Big Time. A.k.a. Ugh. The Asphyxiator, a.k.a. The Wichita the ex- Hangman, ex- a.k.a. <laughs> the Garot Phantom. <laughs> the Garot Phantom. <laughs> and thank you for whoever bought that shirt, because I love it. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> such a good shirt. It's terrible, but it's great. <laughs> great. <laughs> God, I, like, inhaled something <laughs> gross. Okay. I think the this... allergies are bad. Yeah. I think this goes without saying that what he did, because I don't want to, like, recap his whole life, because mm-hmm. it's going to take forever. But in an article from August of 2023, Carrie Rawson, BTK's daughter, states that her father, quote, lost, like, seven inches, and he's in a wheelchair. He's pretty much rotting, like, to his core, end quote. 
I mean, Carrie had refused to visit her father in jail for a very long time until she finally agreed in the summer of 2023. Whoa. Carrie visited her father with her father for nearly three hours, telling him that the reason for her visit was to assist investigators in determining if BTK was responsible for other missing people. <gasps> wow, she's like their <sighs> advocate. Oh my gosh. Carrie would state about this conversation, quote, It was the first time he ever dropped his mask and became BTK in front of me. He didn't even necessarily recognize me. So we had to have a family reunion first, end quote. Oh, I know! Oh, the full heaves. I know, oh, I know. God. <laughs> According to Carrie, Dennis refused to cooperate with giving any new information, even when he was offered an immunity deal for any new murders. Carrie stated about this, quote, My dad basically said maybe he would like to go out like a Roman candle, end quote. He's like, fuck you, like essentially. Oh my god. When BTK was told that his home was being combed through once again for any new evidence, he got very upset. Carrie stated about this, quote, He's very unhappy with what's going on, and we're coming up against a man that's playing lo- lots of games, end quote. Ew, it's I almost know. like, I mean, we always made fun of him in the episode, calling him a bumbling idiot, but he's still a killer, you no. know? Oh, yeah. Who, like, let us out. <laughs> enjoyed playing games with yeah. people. Ugh. Investigators were searching the home for any trophies that may still be there after coming across evidence of a possible additional victim. Carrie tweeted about the findings, actually, stating, quote, Binding type items found underground in my old yard, where I grew up, not far from where the swing set used to be, end quote. There's, like, still evidence buried in the yard. Unfortunately, there was no new information given from BTK in this meeting, Carrie stating, quote, My father does not want to be put in a van and woken up in Oklahoma in a holding cell for, you know, the kidnapping of Cynthia Kinney. He wants to live his life out at the prison that he's at. So that's one pressing point, that he's not going to cooperate. Then we're going to do this the legit hard way, and he's going to wake up some morning somewhere he doesn't want to be, end quote. I know. So the new evidence that was looked for came from a connection of BTK to the disappearance of 16-year-old Cynthia Don Kinney and other potential crimes, naming BTK as the prime suspect. Mm. Sheriff Eddie Verdon of Oklahoma announced in September of 2023 that drawings done by BTK that were recovered during his initial arrest in 2005 suggested possible new victims. Hmm. He stated about this, quote, I can show you a drawing of an actual murder that matches the crime scene photo to a T. So when I find large amounts of similar drawings in the same fashion, that makes me want to make sure that there's no other victims. Yeah. And if there's anybody out there that can contradict that, I want them to come forward because I don't want to waste my time, end quote. You hear that, folks? Yes. If you have any information you, that, I mean, that's still prevalent, I mean, and, yeah. and can help solve one of these. I mean, and that's something else is that people just assume, like, their family member went missing or whatever, not not necessarily that they would be part of these big cases, but there's a potential. Yeah, for sure. There's, but isn't that creepy? He's saying that, like, they found all these drawings, and they have all these victims, and they can match each victim to this precise drawing, but then there's, like, these drawings... Yeah, that don't have a victim, and you're like, they have why to, would he have these other drawings if, if there was no other victims? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. Though. Yeah. <laughs> a BTK task force was announced in September of 2023 as well, but as far as I can tell, nothing further has happened yet in the case. But still, now this is like a BTK in our era. Yes. Like, I mean, it's the BTK, but that's interesting. I know. Gosh. True crime is fascinating, isn't it's it, folks? It's very fascinating. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah. Lyle and Eric Menendez Ugh. were convicted in 1996 of killing their parents, Jose and Mary, or Kitty Menendez, in 1989. The boys claim that after decades of physical, psychological, and sexual abuse at the hands of both of their parents, the two felt that their very lives were in danger and ultimately decided to kill Jose and Kitty when they felt like they had no other choice. The brothers felt that, given their father being a very influential figure in music, that they would essentially never be taken seriously by police or others. Although there were many pieces of incriminating evidence against Jose Menendez that allegedly proved that he did molest his own sons, the two were still sentenced to life imprisonment. Since their sentence, they are both married, and in 2018, the brothers were housed together, it being the first time that they'd seen each other since their sentencing. Oh, that's so sad. In April of 2023, Roy Rossello, which is a member of the boy band Menudo, came forward with allegations that at the age of 14, Jose Menendez drugged and raped him at the family New Jersey home. I did hear about this. Further evidence has also been recovered within the Menendez family. A letter was found by the brothers 
aunt, revealing that prior to the murders, Eric had sent a letter to his cousin, seemingly discussing the abuse and feared that he had the fear that he had endured silently at the hands of his father in 1988. The letter had only been recovered after the boy's aunt began going through her son's belongings, who had passed away, unfortunately, shortly after the boy's trial was over. So essentially, this letter was in a box, mm-hmm. and she never went through her son's items after he passed away. I think it was a car accident or something. And she just now went through this box last year and Dang. found this letter. And it was like six to eight months before the boys killed their parents that the letter had stated, you know what dad did to me, you know how he is, like, I'm in fear, like, all this stuff. So this was like, if it was premeditated, it was premeditated for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Given these new discoveries, the brothers have since filed a habeas corpus petition pleading with the courts for a new trial in order to provide this new evidence to a jury. And in May of 2023, a Peacock-exclusive three-part docuseries covered the new revelations in a show called Menendez and Menudo, Boys Betrayed. No news of the habeas corpus ruling yet. I feel like they're on the fast track, though. Me too. Especially in light of this new information, but I'm going to save that thought mm-hmm. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. My next person is Anders Brevik. Mm-hmm. He is the Norwegian man that went onto that island that had a camp on it and massacred multiple, multiple children and counselors and people. It was absolutely awful. That was the worst attack that Norway has ever seen. Mm -hmm. And in August of 2023, Anders was 41 years old, still serving Norway's longest prison sentence to date. Oh my gosh. 21 years. Because they don't like sentence people to prison. (laughs) He's the only one in there. Yeah. This is still eligible to be extended if the court considers him to still be a threat, but Anders is actually attempting to sue the state. Really? His lawyer stated about this, quote, He's suing the state because he has been in extreme isolation for 11 years and has no contacts with other people except his guards. He was moved to a new prison last year, and we hoped that there would be better conditions and that he could meet other people, end quote. Maybe he shouldn't have fucking murdered dozens of people. I was like, And he that... wouldn't have to be alone. <laughs> That's just standard in the United States. That's, oh, sorry. Yes. For yeah. our listeners that are not American, like, yes, that's very strange to me because I'm like, yeah, he shouldn't have contact with the fucking other people. <laughs> That's essentially <laughs> what death row is in yeah. the United States. You are isolated. You don't talk to you people. You don't, yeah. You get one hour of sunlight a day. One hour of sunlight a day in a cage by yourself. I mean, even the roof is caged. Yeah. And then you get a meal through a slot in the door. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you murder innocent children and people, you probably should have that life. Just saying. That's very interesting, though, the difference between the countries. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although a Norwegian court rejected his parole application in 2022, Anders' lawyer hopes that the District Court of Oslo will acknowledge the lawsuit sometime this year. Interesting. This year, like 2024. This year. Yes. Anyway, so it seems like he was sentenced. I don't remember how long his sentence was, but, like, they keep extending it because they're like, nope, you're still not safe to be out. Still not safe to be out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, no, thank you. So I wonder how how in between his... his, uh considerations are I don't know. every few years i guess i don't know susan smith is eligible for parole in november of this year 2024 her ex-husband and father of her children whom she murdered in 1994 by rolling the family vehicle into a lake as well as his family are in opposition of her release susan has continued to maintain contact with various men on the outside which seems to go along with the theme that Susan was perceived as boy-crazy or Mm man-crazy at the time of the murders, and that her motive for the crime of murdering her children was the product of an affair. Susan was even caught having sex with two guards at two separate times during her incarceration. This will be Susan's first parole hearing, and she plans on asking for release. But it's like, haven't, I mean, Susan, you working on yourself, Susan? Yeah. Yeah. There was also talk of her using, like, drugs while she was in there. She just, yeah, she's just a lawless one. Can't contain, can't contain this wild horse. thinks that she just does whatever. Yeah. Be fine. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, my next one is Nicholas Kodajan. And I'm sure you guys have heard that name recently because that is the woman, the man that helped Gypsy Rose kill her mother. Or actually did the killing. Right. So as we know, this is the perpetrator who killed Gypsy Rose Blanchard's mother, and we have seen her all over the news in the last week. Nicholas had been working on an appeal for himself, and he was originally sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. This latest appeal is actually an appeal of an appeal, in which the first one includes Nicholas admitting to murdering Dee Dee Blanchard, stating that he chose to use a knife, 
and asked Gypsy for duct tape to muffle the victim before traveling from his home to hers. Hmm. Nicholas had stated about this, pre- this previous appeal that after getting inside the Blanchard home, he, quote, waited a minute and thought about if he really wanted to do it, end quote. At the trial, Nicholas's attorneys argued that he had a diminished capacity because he had autism spectrum disorder, or mm. ASD, and an IQ on the low side of average. Almost immediately after his conviction, Nicholas filed an appeal, arguing that the court had excluded testimony from a defense psychological expert about ASD and its impact on his ability to deliberate at the time of the murder. In his newest appeal, filed on December 5th, 2023, Nicholas argued that the issue at hand is not a trial strategy, but instead ineffective counsel. Hmm. The appeal states, quote, Review of the record leaves a definite and firm impression that he was denied effective assistance of counsel. In that trial, counsel failed to act as a reasonably competent attorney under the same or similar circumstances by failing to fully investigate and present evidence from a qualified neuropsychologist specializing in autism spectrum disorder to support the diminished capacity defense. The claim is not expert shopping, but an unreasonable failure to investigate, end quote. So this was, like, just last month. This was a couple weeks before Gypsy was released. Oh, okay, This was on December yeah. 5th. December 5th. And she was the 28th? 28th. Yeah. The appeal also notes that Nicholas was offered a plea agreement from the prosecution for life in prison, with the possibility of parole at first, mm. but that he went to trial because he was hoping for a sentence more closely aligned with the 10 years that Gypsy was sentenced. Interesting. So she was sentenced before him? Yes. Yeah, so he was like, oh, well, she only got 10 years, so, yeah. hmm. As we all most likely know by now, Gypsy Rose Blanchard was released from prison on December 28, 2023, and she has gotten increasingly popular on social media with support from millions. Without getting too much into this, because literally anybody can just Google it right now and mm-hmm. see all of the information, <laughs> she has stated that she's extremely grateful for all the support and is happy to be back home with her dad's side of the family and her husband. She I- also said that she her, her husband has that good D. No, she did not. She sw- I swear she did. No, she did she not. She totally did. Oh, my God. She said something about the D. <laughs> By the and time this comes out, uh, which will be Thursday the 4th, she's going to be on Great uh, Good Morning America. Oh, really? On Friday, yeah. Oh, wow. That's that crazy. Nice. But, yeah, that's Nicholas Godejohn. He's working on that appeal, and Gypsy is out <laughs> and living her best life. I can't believe she said that about her husband. Yeah, she said that she's getting that good D. And then she also... <laughs> said that she wanted to go to a Chiefs game to meet, I told you this, meet Taylor Swift. Uh-huh. And she's like, so excited to meet Taylor Swift. And then she was like, going to the Chiefs game. And then her lawyer was like, uh, her parole officer was like, uh, no, you can't be Missouri. You got to be like, no, you're not. Sienna, sorry. Yeah, she's like, oh, sorry shit, about sorry. that. Yeah. We'll Zoom you in. We'll Zoom call you in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I yeah, saw this one, sorry, this one TikTok of this girl that was like, yeah, Gypsy Rose talking about her husband and getting that good D. She's like, as she should. She's been in prison. She's like, what would you do? I was like, honestly. I'm just excited for her to like, like she had a picture with her sister, her half sister. Yeah. And her dad, her dad, you know, if, if anybody's ever seen a mommy, mommy dead and dearest. Ugh, it's awful. That she hadn't seen her dad since she was like four or five. Oh, and she, she was led to believe that her dad was a piece of shit. And her so dad was sad. led to believe that she was sick and that, I mean, every time her dad would try to make plans with Dee Dee to go see them, she would cancel last second or she would say they were busy or yeah. something. And I'm excited that she's in Louisiana now too, because mm-hmm. that's where she was before Dee Dee took her. You know? Yeah, it's just a really awful story all the way around. And we covered that story, so yeah. please go listen to it. Obviously, that's why we're talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. But it's under Nicholas Go to John. If you're trying to search for the Gypsy Rose story, <laughs> yeah. it's labeled Nicholas Go to John. Because he was the perpetrator. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, my last one is going to be Mark David Chapman. Oh. Mark David Chapman murdered John Lennon, a member of the Beatles, in December of 1980, outside of his home that he shared with his wife Yoko and his young son Sean. Wait, John Lennon's dead? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Oh my god, is John Lennon dead? John Lennon died? <laughs> he died? Chapman struggled with symptoms of schizophrenia spectrum disorder from a very young age. The youngest I think we've seen in a case that we've covered. I think he was like five. Oh, yeah. And he never successfully sought help for this disorder. Chapman is still married to his wife, Gloria, whom he married in 1978. Oh, They're wow. Still married. Good for him. I think well, they had met in Hawaii, I believe. And uh, once again, he is up for parole in February of 2024. Oh, wow. This will be his 13th hearing. He's attended every single one. Jeez. Yoko has decided to recently pull away from the public eye in 2021. And Sean has since become the the family representative. Mm -hmm. And he is, although been a musician in the past, Sean is currently producing music. He has an album that he produced that came out in 2023. Good for him. Yeah. Yep, yep. 
Well, that just about does it. Every other case, like we said, either doesn't have an update, the person is deceased, or it's too early to have an update because right. we just covered them within the last couple of months. So true. But yeah. yeah, we wanted to bring this back to you guys. If you haven't listened to those episodes, maybe entice you to go back and listen. Yeah. Because I know we got some listeners. I mean, we get listeners every day, but some that maybe started from the middle or some that just started recently. Mm-hmm. Definitely encourage you to go back and listen to those beginning ones because we like for you guys, we are, want to be super authentic, of course. And the only way to do that is for you guys to follow us from the beginning, right? And oh, grow yeah. with us. So for sure. Definitely super excited for all of the content we have coming out this month. I think we talked about it, and there's going to be, like, 11 episodes or something this <laughs> it's month. Gonna be nuts. Well, because yeah. we're going to have one every Monday, one every Thursday. We hope to have a DAK, a DAK Live come to you within the next few weeks. We also have maybe a little bit of a surprise in a week or two. Some Patreon. Maybe some free access. And then we also have a Patreon at the end of the month, so we have lots to bring you. And we both start school this month, so <laughs> you know that we love you. <laughs> That's why we're pre-recording everything. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. Do you have anything else? No, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners that have supported us this last two and some change. We love you guys so much. We are obsessed with y'all. We nonstop talk about the podcast and how much we love y'all. So yeah, everyone around us, like that listens, sees us on a daily basis, are like, "Can you stop talking about the podcast?" And we're like, "No, never, 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 never again." Yeah, get your merch in, y'all. We just posted some new merchy merch on the Instagram. Link is in the link tree in the bio of the Instagram. Uh, yeah, we have those koozies. We have. Oh my gosh, we did the 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 poll for repurposed shirts. Oh yeah. So excited that you guys are in support of that. We have tons of just plain shirts that are sitting around that are slightly used or just cute little different designs. There's, like, one that you have that's, like, a cutoff. Yeah. Not a tee, but, like, like a a cutoff cutoff blouse. Mm -hmm. Tank top. It's so cute. So those, we're probably going to put, we're going to take pictures of those, post them. Yeah. And then that way you guys have an idea of what you're getting. But those are going to be one-of-a-kind unique pieces because... We only have one of each. For so. sure. And we're going to sell them at a discounted price. We're still working out the details of that, but we'll let you know as soon as we post everything exactly yeah. what that will entail as far as the discount. And then mm-hmm. it'll be a, kind of like a pick-your-own design, like whatever you want on it. Whatever you want. Yeah. Of course, yeah, we can do any combination of the logos, the sayings on the back. Your choice, y'all. Yeah, definitely. So. Well, right. thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see you guys on Monday with another Mental Breakdown. Mm-hmm. All right. Love, Love you. you. Bye. Bye.